0: You are listening to the Magnetic Marketing Marketing Secret Gold Members Only Podcast. So, I always like to recognize, and I, I don't know if Dave did it the other morning or not. I walked in a little late, but um, um, you could have me on your screen for a few minutes, guys, if you wanted to. It doesn't matter, but you could. Um, uh, hey, at least you're sitting this morning. Are you going to crawl or are you just going to sit? I'm, I'm the other I know. I, I can tell the difference. Uh, but, you know, not all blondes are the same. I, I get it. Um, um, but but, are you going to sit or are you going to crawl? Because she crawled. <laughs> Terrific. Um, if you thought I was kidding, by the way, yesterday, those of you in the back, there was a blonde in like a black leotard up here wiggling her way back and across the floor for like an hour, I wasn't messing around. Um, uh, so it, it's always interesting, I think, especially for relatively new folks to GKIC, just before we get started to know that I'm not the only like really old one in the room. Um, we, we have old members by longevity of member, not just by, um, I was kidding, you know, you don't, you can sit, you don't have to, okay. Um, uh, and so, uh, uh, Dr. Wolf, I think is the last name. W- where are you? Well, just stand up, I can't see you, but other people could see you. Um, there he is. Uh, so Dr. Wolf just came up to me before we came up here, he's a chiropractor, and um, uh, he's here with us in present live time, as you just saw and he dates back to at least 1987 with me, maybe a couple years before that, um, saw me speak um, at um, Dr. Markson's practice management group, which practice coaching used to be called practice management um, in the healthcare disciplines, and, um, and was probably at a success track seminar too, and, it was when Foster Hibbard was working with me, and he still has his Foster Hibbard cassettes, which means you either have a 1980s vintage automobile uh, to listen to them in, or you have converted them to CDs. Uh, but um, uh, so 1987 is a long time to still be hang- hanging around. It's appreciated, sir. And um, has he has he nicely pointed out? Uh, I had a lot more hair uh, uh, then, but. Pretty consistent in message. Um, So just for kicks and giggles, and you'll learn more looking not at me, but at the audience. How many have 10 years of longevity uh, with me? Stand, don't raise your hands, because people can't. 10 years. You'll learn more looking around. Um, um, Stay up if it's 15. Stay up if it's 20. Thank you very much. Um, uh, And I would quickly make the point about uh, Dave's bonus session tonight. Um, If that didn't initially interest you, uh, this might make it interest you. So if you think about Dr. Wolf, who's been hanging around since 1987, he came out of somebody's information marketing business in this case Dr. Markson's, uh, into my information marketing business is still attached to GKIC's information marketing business. He is currently in coaching with Dr. Breithauser, who is a GKIC member who is now coaching doctors, and so he's in his information marketing business. Now, here's the point of all that. One of the big differences between the information marketing business and almost any other business on earth is lifetime customer value. There are very few fields that deliver you somebody who hangs around for 10 or 15 or 20 years spending money on a continuous basis. It's an absolute lock. He's above six figures in customer value to me, plus to others in our orbit. In total, he's probably a half million dollar value lifetime customer has are most of the people who stood up and kept standing, and it's very hard to make that happen in any other kind of business. So it's a really important dynamic when you think about equity, not just income, and it's a good reason to be in that room tonight. So picking up where we left off, by the way, you would think, and there are people in this room, um, in various places in this room who are shocked given my personality and my tone and my and my propensity to offend that there's anybody who's hanging around you know for 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 twenty years. Um, um, you could add my marriages together and there are people in this room with whom I have a longer relationship. Um, so Picking up where we left off, uh, one of my favorite schools of advertising is the revenge school of advertising. And this is so because almost everybody gets up in the morning, and if they don't get up in the morning, they go to bed at night feeling that somebody has dissed them. So. Almost everybody has a little chip on their shoulder about something and it doesn't take much to trigger it. And if they don't have a specific, almost everybody has a general chip on their shoulder that they as an individual and the group that they belong to, that there's disrespect going on. The current political campaign is all about that, of course. And so revenge advertising messages have always worked. The most famous, um, which you can find, because I'm only going to talk about the headline, but a lot of these ads I'm showing you, if you just Google the last name of the person, in this case John Caples, you'll easily be able to find yourself a copy of the complete uh, ad. Um, but this is the, one of the most famous revenge ads of all. It inspired an entire school of revenge advertising. And this is from... Uh, when is this from, people? Why didn't we give me a note? I don't know, but it's a long time ago. Uh, and you may all know the headline. It's, they laughed when I sat down at the piano, but when I started to play... He wrote another version of this, um, that was um, some. It was close to. They laughed when the the French restaurant waiter came to the table, but then when I ordered in French, it's the same concept. It's everybody thinks I'm a boob and not up to this, and I this tiny little type up here you see under the illustration. It says. Can he really play? A girl whispered, heavens no, Arthur exclaimed. He never played a note in his life. That, by the way, is called a pre-headline, and yes, people will squint to see it when it's matched with an illustration, and it sets up the headline. They laughed when I sat down at the piano, but when I started to play. This is an emotion. This is an experience everybody wants not piano playing necessarily, golf, business, money-making, right? Another Thanksgiving dinner with my smug brother, the doctor. But this year, I'm the one who drove up in the new... I mean, so everybody wants this. They all have a people disrespect me about X and I can't wait to stick it up their butt now that I can do this. And that promise is more important often than the details. So the money made, for example, if you're selling money making, is less important to most people once they have their bills paid than is this sort of thing. So that's the revenge school of advertising. Another great school of advertising that is in an absolute new renaissance and boom today, Claude Hopkins called it scientific advertising. And at the time he began to talk about it, this was a new idea. For a practical reason, data was hard to come by. I mean, knowing the demographics and the psychographics of your customers and breaking things down, not just by zip code, but by street, which you could even do today cheap with the United States Postal Service, every door direct mail, gathering data. Nobody had computers, so all the data had to be on three by five cards or some sort of manual record. And you literally had guys with green eye shades Um, uh, sitting in a room um, like in the It's a Wonderful Life movie uh, with big ledgers and pens crunching data and trying to tell direct marketers something about their customers and their market. So in the 1920s, when Claude Hopkins started to talk about scientific advertising, he was preaching a gospel that was admittedly hard to implement other than split testing. So a lot of what he meant by scientific advertising was simply split testing. And by the way, the answer to almost every direct marketing question on earth is test. That's the correct answer. Any other answer is less good. So when when you ask somebody a question, gee, do you think I should do A or should I do B? Do you like this ad better than this ad? Do you think we should? And they give you an answer other than test. Understand their guessing. Now, they may be better informed and educated and experienced than you are, and their guess may be better than yours would be, but it's a guess. It is not science. The only science is, if we find a way to take A and B, and put them both in front of identical prospects or customers in an identical environment, and see what the market says, that's the only science. And Hopkins figured it out and evangelized it all the way back in the late 1920s. So speaking from the stage, for example, I know empirically not theory, from having tested it. Suit wins over sports jacket and slacks. You will, I don't care the audience by the way, they can be millennials who are all walking around in t-shirts and cargo shorts and pants hanging down off their ass and whatever else they're doing today, don't matter. So you'll see some people, so Zuckerberg got his lesson when he was raising the first money for Facebook and he hit Wall Street in his t-shirt and his black jeans and everybody was upset. Sorry, doesn't work. So I know, suit, I mean I tested all this stuff. Over sport coat and slacks. There's certain colors that work, there's certain colors that don't work. Now the deviance is a very specific audience. So when I first started speaking, and you speak for free, sell stuff, and it's not like you're gonna get the great dates, so, but. If you're willing to speak free, there's some place you can go speak free and sell something pretty much every night, every day. I mean, you can work if you want to. Um, So I did a lot of MLM groups. And, of course, this is right if you're doing an Amway group, although the shirt should be blue, uh, so you get their colors. So having deduced that, Herbalife, green and gold, um, uh, having deduced that, I was doing a lot of Mary Kay groups And um, my line of what I won't do for money is like way over there. Um, uh, So I quickly determined pink suit, white shirt, pink tie, and pink patent leather shoes. I sold 40% more stuff than in a regular suit. I mean, I was cute, I got to tell you. When I was on a Peter tour, one of the speakers I followed was, uh, was Norm Schwarzkopf, who you may remember way back when from the last war we won. Um, uh, um, and and Norm, Norm had a saying called, shine shoes, save lives. And he said, the reason we get everybody to shine their shoes and we punish them if they don't is because discipline matters in, 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 out there on the battlefield and if you're undisciplined in the bathroom, you're undisciplined on the battlefield, and you're gonna get yourself or somebody else killed. The very same thing is true about advertising and marketing. If you are undisciplined about it, you will get yourself or somebody else around you killed. I thought when I got in advertising it was this big, creative, you know, 12 people in a room with glass walls, smoking funny stuff, thinking up stuff, having a good time. Um, And that does go on in some agencies. It's how they burn clients' money at the same time they burn the stuff they're smoking. But that's not how money is made. It's a very methodical, mechanical Let's find a way to test this against this against this and see what happens. Uh, This is a test. This is from uh, Russell Brunson. He calls it the Dan Kennedy offer. Uh, This, so this is an actual test, split test. By the way, you guys are doing stuff online, there's no easier place to do split tests because you can rotate traffic. So one little difference, one difference, a 109% increase. Now, most people bet against the difference. So over the years in mastermind groups, I've done this a lot, we've, so guys get a test, A versus B, let's all place a little wager on what we think. And often, most of us are wrong. The five ads I've written in my entire career that I liked best, none of them worked. I loved them, every single one. I thought this is just gonna kill. None of them worked. So a disciplined approach. So the basis for this approach, the school of advertising really should be called mail order, but we hesitate to use the term anymore because it instantly antiquates the idea. But, so I've for years used direct marketing for non-direct marketing businesses. So mail order businesses obviously use direct marketing period, but if you have a chiropractic practice or you have an auto repair shop or you have a law practice or you have a zebra painting business or, or whatever it is that you've got, You don't think you're in the mail order business. And arguably you aren't. But it is the disciplines of mail order that should govern everybody's marketing. Because, so, argue it or not. So Trump's line that, if you don't have borders, you don 't have a nation it 's supported by Webster. If you look up nation in the dictionary by definition so I have this thing now you 'll see it in the newsletter in one of the upcoming newsletters. Um, so I 'm not just going to offend a few people in the room I 'm going to offend a large number of people. Um, why waste good material but um, so I, I have great sympathy for Catholics. Uh, My first wife was a Catholic, the family was Catholic, she was officially uh, her mother called every night to remind her that she was going to burn in hell forever because she was divorced and remarried, yada yada. And I grew up Lutheran, which is Catholic without confession. And uh, uh, so we ate fish on Friday just in case. It wasn't It wasn't part of the Lutheran religion, but, you know. um, uh, So it was a big shock, by the way, all those years of fish sticks, and then, eh, we changed our mind. Um, (laughs) Now, all those midnight phone calls from mother-in-law, they've changed their mind again. So if you didn't catch this, if you're not Catholic, you might not have caught it. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, the Pope proclaimed, uh, bless him, that... Um, that everybody, including the Catholic Church, should be a lot more tolerant about, I'll give you it verbatim, about alternative family structures, and that um, uh, pretty much about matters of marriage, family, and sex, people should use their own conscience. Well, I ran in and said to my current wife, who grew up Catholic, I said, something amazing has happened. After all these years, I woke up Catholic because that's what I've been doing all along. So they've now joined my deal. Use your own conscience. Decide what you're going to do. All right? And he woke up without a religion. All of a sudden, they got the eight suggestions. The nine ideas. That's... By definition, it has to have commandments. So although direct marketing is secular, by definition, there are certain disciplines it must have or it ain't direct marketing. For example, an offer. So an ad with a picture of a Buick in it and a website at the bottom is not direct response advertising. Only if there's an offer driving you to the website to do something, see something, get something, or buy something is a direct response advertising. There are disciplines to this. And if you are going to violate any of them, A, you ought to have really good reason. And you ought to be so experienced. So if the kid that just twisted his ankle at, Gold, at Golden State, what's his name? Curry, thank you. If he wants to stand backwards at mid-court and try a three-pointer, he's earned the right to do it. If you're playing in a, in, in, in a, in a league for the company you own, uh, in amateur basketball, and you do it, you're a moron. You have not get close to the basket and shoot at the little box that's on the backboard. That's what you need to do. Right? So David Ogilvy, who's one of the most famous regular ad guys, uh, we'll talk a little bit about Ogilvy again as we go along. So Ogilvy's one of the most famous ad guys. One of the characters in Mad Men, if you watch Mad Men, was based on Ogilvy, and. He said uh, in a rant to his own people, by the way, that only the direct response people know what they are doing. Everybody else is guessing. And that's exactly how real advertising works. Big company brand image advertising, they guess, and somewhere between a calendar quarter and six months later, they start to know. Now there's a lot of other variables, so they never really know, but if they do a campaign, like anybody remember the Taco Bell dog? So if they do the Taco Bell dog campaign, and a quarter later, three months later, same store sales have gone up, and they don't know of any other reason, they decide, oh, Taco Bell dog campaign works, let's do more of it. Maybe they can afford that. Most of you in the room can't. If you get all your knowledge three to six months after you spend your money, most of us will be out of money before we know anything. So direct response, we know now. Like. Now, we produce an infomercial, in two weekends, we know everything there is to know. That's it. And we know the production cost has gotten higher and higher and higher. The testing cost has barely gone up at all. In fact, the web has given us ways to test without buying TV time. That is indicative, not perfectly predictive. So we know. And if it is a dead-bang loser, we say last rights, we bury the tax loss in the backyard, and we march on to the next endeavor. So Ogilvy was right in 1950-something when he said this, and were he alive today, he would be right today. You would have more ability to implement his advice. At Guthy Ranker, which is a client of mine, I've had a client now for I don't know, 30 some odd years. Uh, you know them for brands like Proactive, Acne Glop, uh, Wen hair, which is apparently making hair fall out. Uh, but um, uh, 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 if you go back a little ways, Victoria Principal Skincare, and of course if you go back to intellectual property, Tony Robbins, um, this, this company is now a billion dollar company, billion dollars a year. Uh, when I started working with them, they were two guys in the proverbial garage, Um, and and Greg recently uh, at at Titans of Direct Marketing, so somebody asked the question, what do you pay him for? And I don't really write for them anymore much. If you do TV scripts, you really should be on the set, Uh, and I don't want to go to California to be on the set and so forth. So he said, we pay Dan Kennedy to, now this is a direct marketing company. That's all they are we pay Dan Kennedy to remind us of direct marketing fundamentals and disciplines. Because even though we are a direct marketing company, it's easy to drift away or be seduced away. Now I suggest to you, if guys who have built a billion dollar a year company from scratch and are maintaining it with growth year to year to year, are willing to pay somebody like me to annoy them And I can be every bit as annoying as the little Indian. At the last meeting where they flew a bunch of people in for a day with me, I kind of, like Trump unscripted, I'm dangerous. um, uh, One of their people asked something and I really said something about Greg that I should have said more politically. And, uh, and I realized I did it, and I quickly, you know, look, we've had a long relationship, and we've been in the trenches together, and you know. And um, he said, don't apologize for that. He said, you're a pain in the ass. You've always been a pain in the ass. And we put up with you being a pain in the ass because you remind us of what we need. So if they need that reminder, if they need drug back from the brink to a disciplined approach, as smart as they are, as rich as they are, as successful as they are, and the fact that all they do is direct marketing, you do too. And that's why you keep yourself immersed in the discipline. Next school, my beloved, very, very, very long copy, School of Advertising. There's a thing in direct response called a control. The control is the successful ad, website, video sales letter, direct mail piece, whatever, that you have got to the point that you can live with the results on an ongoing basis. It works well enough whatever well enough is for you. Now that might be a profit, it might be front end break even, it might be losing money on new customer acquisition because they're so valuable to you on the back end. So for a customer like Dr. Wolf, what could we pay to get him? Assuming cash flow was not an issue. I'd pay 25 grand in a hot second. All right. I promise you with $25,000 uh, acquisition cost allowed, I can get any customer for anybody. You let me spend 25 grand, I can get you anybody you want. You want Warren Buffett using your mouthwash, give me 25 grand, I'll get him. And there's a lesson in all of that. But when you go to beta control, so a lot of professional copywriters, uh, I don't do it, but many, including A-listers like me, from certain clients, will take a beat-the-control on spec. So you'll only get paid if you beat it. And by the way, if you have controls, there are some A-listers and a ton of B-listers who, if they know you spend money and you can be counted on to implement, they will try and beat your controls, and you don't have to give them any money unless they do which means you can run cattle call operations. You can have 20 copywriters trying to beat your control, all without paying a penny out of your pocket. It's the equivalent of the real ad business where all the agencies come in and do demos of what they would do with your campaign on spec. And often the, the company trots 20 agencies through with no intention of switching from their current agency, but they harvest a bunch of ideas for free. Okay, this is the same thing. Now, if somebody does beat your control, whatever you agreed to, you ought to pay them. But you'll see a lot of ideas. Um, And for info marketers, by the way, we have a whole Dan Kennedy certified copywriters. You can post an assignment. They'll all come to you. Uh, All of that's available through IMA here. So there's controls. And then there's this beat the control game. Now, I've never done it on spec, but I've done it for fee plus I now become the control if I win. And here's, if you didn't know much and you were going to try and beat a control and you weren't real sophisticated yet, but you wanted to do it, double the length. Just double the length. That's all you got to do. Here's why. And any person-to-person salesperson. So, how many in here have succeeded? Have at least made a living? As Charlie Tremendous Jones, speaker, used to say, we we I'd run into him at an event, and I'd say, "How you doing?" He said, "I spoke this morning, and I made enough money to get home." So, so. So how many of you have at least, quote, quote, made enough money to get home as a nose to nose, toes to toes, belly to belly salesperson in a living room, in an office? Raise your hands nice and proud. By the way, you learn more if you look around at them than if you look at me. You should take comfort, thank you, that virtually every A-list copywriter has the same experience. And here's what you should all know. Your likelihood of closing a prospect in that environment goes up in a parallel line with the amount of time you spend with them. That's why the pot and pan salesmen they still exist in rural areas. Zig came from there. The person who comes into your home and sells you the $1,800 set of triply stainless steel magic waterless organic copper bottom cookware unpacks all 46 pieces on the floor at the start of his presentation. Why? Cuz it takes a long time to pack up 46 pieces. So even after they have said no 16 times and they want you to leave, you have another 20 minutes. So every belly-to-belly salesperson knows it. If I can, Here's why they do test drives in auto dealerships, and they don't build a test drive track at the dealership. That's been done. It fails. The longer the test drive, the more likely we sell the car. There's a parallel line between the amount of time somebody will give you for you to present and their likelihood of purchase. There's even more to it than that. I'm gonna talk about this a little more, mind hijacking in June. But here's the translation, to copy. The longer the copy, the more time they give you to get through it. Now, the least interested people run. So when you show the least interested person an ad that looks like this, which we're going to talk about in a second. They run screaming into the night. Doesn't matter. We only care about the ones we can sell to. And the ones who are interested in what it is that we have to talk about in our copy, the longer the copy, the more time they spend with us, the more likely they are to buy. That's why the long copy school of advertising exists. When you get a 36-page magalog or a vitamin, in the mail. Look through it now carefully. The next one you get, take a pen and mark all the redundancies that could have been cut out. You can get it down to four pages easy. It's purely done to extend the length of time you and they spend together so when you finally do get to the order form, you are more likely to buy. That's why the school of long copy advertising exists. So here's a, here's a famous, I'll show you a couple famous ones, and then I'm going to show you a couple current things. So this is a fairly famous uh, ad from the late 1990s. It has exactly 1,438 words in it, plus a picture of a cigar. It is all about how to buy a cigar. That's what it is. It's 1,438 words. So the cigar craze first swept America in 1990s or so. It went away for a little while. Bill Clinton repopularized it. We now have... That's not all he popularized. Um, um, and of course you now have cigar places where people go and sit and smoke cigars. And, uh, so in the 1990s, magazines had a lot of ads for cigars. They all sort of look like the ads for cigars now. If you go pick up Cigar Aficionado magazine, for example, none of the ads look like this, or hardly any. They all are pictures. So they all have a cool-looking person, often with a blonde, half the guy's age, draped over his shoulder, and he's smoking a cigar, and there's a logo, and maybe at the bottom there's a website. That's, and the ads in the 1990s look the same way. except for this ad. So this ad, um, um, uh, went painstaking detail about what makes a good cigar and what makes this cigar, an Armenter, a great cigar in particular. The ad not only worked on consumers, it took an obscure brand and made it a leading brand, but it was reprinted and used in store as a sales tool to teach the new customer how to buy cigars. Automatically, how to buy these cigars. Here's an even more famous long copy ad. You could find this one on the internet too. This is from 1914. Uh, General Motors still gets thousands of requests every year to reprint it. It first ran in the Saturday Evening Post, and it was the first automobile ad and probably still the only automobile industry ad with no picture of a car in it. It's called The Penalty of Leadership. It's an ad that was written for Cadillac. And um, again, all sorts of people want to reprint it, all sorts of people ask to use it. Still today, it first appeared in 1915. The only overt Cadillac identification is the logo, up here in the corner, which will make brand people in the room happy. Um, And, of course, there's no website because it was 1915. Um, uh, But the copy, so you should find it online, is really not about Cadillacs at all directly. So now I'll bring you a little closer to contemporary. Here's an ad some of you will be familiar with. I, and a partner, made a few million dollars with it. Uh, It is a info marketing ad um, and um, it's kind of famous in that industry. Uh, Over a five year period of time it ran a lot in a lot of magazines and it looks like this. Most of that type, if you know anything about type fonts, is six point. And anybody on earth will tell you, no! (laughs) <laughs> no, especially not when your avatar customer is 55. No, no. Not only won't anybody read all that copy, how could they read all that copy? I believe the headline is 11, if I'm not mistaken. All right. It's been a long time since I did it, but I think the headline's 11 points. It is a, so this ad is from... I don't remember the exact year, but maybe I can tell you. Is there a copyright? Yeah. This is 1993. The copyright notice is in two-point. Don't be laughing at me too hard. Um, So the headline is a completely different approach to mail order took me from broke to $4,000 a day working from home in only a few months. And I'm convinced anybody can copy what I'm doing once they understand it. And this... Uh, offered a little book called How You Can Make $4,000 a Day Sitting at Your Kitchen Table in Your Underwear. A uh, quick little copy item about this ad. The only place we ever tried to run it that we, that we shouldn't have, very expensive, American Airlines Magazine, and they made us take out in your underwear. It's the only place the ad didn't work. Coincidence? I don't know, but... The rule is, if they won't let you run it the way you want to run it, shake the dust from your feet and go run it somewhere where you can run it. One other little piece of trivia, this is a 1993 ad. Here's the start of a PS that we tested, split tested, that gave us a bump. PS, warning, Hillary Clinton has big plans for you and your hard-earned money. And then there's a whole paragraph about how your only hope, with Hillary coming to the Senate, is to out-earn them all. 1993. Here we are. You can't kill them. If you live long enough, the grandkid is going to be running. I promise you, they won't go away. So, this ad, this ad, almost anybody has got to go get a magnifying glass, or they got to do what I just did. And they did in big numbers. How many words do you think is in that ad? The cigar ad has 1438. 3,000. There's almost four. There's almost 4,000 words. Now, we split tested eight variables, by the way. The whole PS box, this whole box was added after a split test. This much of it is the Hillary stuff. Um, That box was added after a split test. When it wasn't there, the type was bigger. Fit the box in, just shrunk the type. There's a great Harvey Brody direct mail piece. I didn't bring it uh, from years ago. And what Harvey would do with the direct mail piece to fit in a little more is the sentence that ended here would then run up the margin and then it would run across the top upside down and back down the other side. Damnedest thing you've ever seen, All right. So, but now, nobody reads long copy now, do they? That was the 1990s, let's see here. Here's a newspaper ad I got on a plane on the way here. It's from the Akron Beacon Journal. Here's the top of it. Drug companies fear release of new sex pill for older men. He's, by the way, it's important in the photo. He's barely older, and she definitely ain't. Um, So here's the start of that ad. Here's the rest of that ad. It is. That big, and it is that much copy. Gee, I wonder if they know what they're doing. They must be idiots. Ads currently running in city newspapers in almost every city, and it is a control. It is not alone. So how many of you have seen... TV commercials for old people. The chair that goes up the stairs. The cringiest ones are the catheter things, right? And here you get a sample box of five different catheters. Look at all this copy. This is an ad for a catheter. 65 year old guy going to need a magnifying glass to read that type. However, if you're a 65-year-old guy with this problem, and you're going to get rid of adult diapers and catheters, you're going to go get a magnifying glass. There's currently a golf ad running. I forgot to grab it, but it looks exactly like this. And there's not a picture of a golfer or a golf club in it anywhere to be found. If you will go to Barnes & Noble... And you will stand at the newsstand. And you will pick magazines at random. Pick niche interest magazines. Pick Black Belt, which martial arts people read. Pick Modern Railroading, which people who play with trains in their basement after they finally get the kids to move out, uh, they subscribe to that magazine. Uh, 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 Pick Llama Breeding monthly. pick these kinds of magazines. There's a a billion of them, by the way. One of the points Dave will make to you tonight is there's no human being on Earth who does not have either a success story or a great passion, a great interest, for whom there aren't other people who share that passion or want that solution and will pay to communicate about it. There is an entire club It has over 18,000 people in it, so some people are in business niches with only 30. They are people who collect, rebuild, and have competitions with antique vacuum cleaners. There's 18,000 people who belong to this thing. Presumably, there's a few who don't belong, so it's probably, you know. So if you go get those magazines, here's the lesson you will get. Go through them all. You will find... 80 to 90% of the advertising is not this. It's big, dumb company stuff, or it's entrepreneurs who don't know any better who are copying big, dumb companies, because, gee, they're big companies. They must know what the hell they're doing. And so it all looks alike. But you will find in an average, say, Modern Railroading Magazine, or Black Belt Magazine, or Organic Living Magazine, you will find five or six ads that look like my $4,000 a day ad. Maybe not quite that much copy, but close. Now, if you want to prove something to yourself, go to a library And find copies of the same magazine from three years ago, five years ago, seven years ago, and ten years ago. And compare them. Most of the ads that look like pictures, the advertisers are gone. Most of the ads that look like this, they've been there all along. They've never left. Why? Because there's work, and the others don't. Next school, the difficulty of the task. single biggest simple mistake everybody makes is they underestimate the difficulty of the task of getting anybody to do anything. It's increasing, by the way, not decreasing. Our evolutionary end, it's coming. The evolutionary end, so we started with a lot of hair, walking bent over with our knuckles on the ground. Here's what it's going to look like at the other end. There's going to be an ass five times the size of a Kardashian. I mean, it's going to be really big. There's going to be almost no legs and tiny little feet, and there's going to be a tiny little body on top of that ass, hands clutching a pad because they ain't getting up they're ju- everything's going to be in the pad, everything's going to be dumb for the pad, they're going to be glued to the pad, and they're going to have a jo- they're going to be pear shaped, but I mean really big. This is the evolutionary end. So when John Carlton wrote this in 2002 and he described the person you are trying to get to do anything as a giant sloth-like creature welded into the couch unwilling to move to save its own life if the house caught on fire he wrote this in 2002 you can't even get 14 14 year olds are this watch your grandkids They weld their ass into place, and they hold a thing, and they don't move. Maybe to go play Xbox. I'm going to Disney from here. The parents are having trouble. The kids, they stop moving them for a second. They weld their ass to the ground, and they get out their device. They're at Disney. There's like six million things going on. Where would my kid go? Oh, he's over there under the tree. Not hard to find. He hasn't moved. You went to the bathroom. You got an ice cream cone. You rode Thunder Mountain. He's been there the whole time. He's got his ass welded to the ground, and he's got a device in his hand. That's, that's, that's what he's got. This is the reality. So when you underestimate the difficulty of any task, And you don't allocate enough money, you don't allocate enough time, you don't allocate enough story, you don't allocate enough copy, you don't allocate enough of everything to move that butt and make it want to do something, call, get on a diagnostic call with you, come into a physical room. I've been putting butts in seats for 40 years. That's the colloquial for what this is. In the 40 years, there's been a lot of change in putting butts in seats. It used to be pretty easy. And by the way, you could put more in a room because they were smaller butts. Seminar business, same as the airline business. You can't put as many seats in a row as you did 20 years ago. Um, That's true, by the way, true. Um, Biggest thing going on in hospitals is having to retrofit the floors because they didn't They didn't build them to handle the current weight. So they either got to have less beds per floor or they got to rebuild the floors. The Disney ride they had to reconfigure the most was um, the one with the annoying song. It's a small world. Yeah, because the boats all get stuck on the ground. Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down all the time now and they got to go in and get some people out or they got to move the boat. They're rebuilding that one too because they never figured... Everybody's going to be so fat. And so the thing, you know, there's only this much water. So it just stops on the track. Arrgh. If you're ever on to ride, by the way, and that happens, that's what happened. One of them boats up in front of you, or maybe yours, <laughs> has come to a grinding stop. Because the butts, so I've been putting butts in seats for a long time. It used to be pretty easy. I mean, really. In niches, everybody went to seminars. So Dr. Wolf, chiropractor, he goes back to the glory days of a thing called Parker Chiropractic. Parker was an independent info marketer, like us. It wasn't a trade association, but they had the biggest annual conference in chiropractic. The time that I was speaking there, there were roughly 35,000 chiropractors in the country, and 10,000 of them went. It's just what you did. If you were a chiropractor, you went to Parker. Shadow of its former self, and now 500 times more difficult to get people to go. Even you guys, harder to get you here than it was 10 years ago, and it is in every. Business, So underestimating the difficulty, big, 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 big mistake. Let's see, I've got to skip something. What shall I skip? I'm going to skip this. Okay. We move on to another beloved school of advertising. It is called the, as you can see, I have attached for three important reasons. I quote Gary Halbert. not exactly the same as, say, quoting Alexander Hamilton or William Shakespeare, but... um, By the way, any of you see the play Hamilton? You know the whole deal about they tried to take Hamilton off the bill and now they're leaving him on, but they're taking somebody else off. So the play Hamilton really stopped the movement to take Alexander Hamilton off the... So they asked Bernie Sanders if he'd seen the play Hamilton and he said, yeah, and it's not like I remember it. This is a uh, Halbert letter written for a guy by the name of Howard Ruff. It's pretty much emblematic of the implementation of this school. In this case, it's a penny, real penny, glued. Reader's Digest was the biggest user of this, by the way. It predates Halbert, just, but we give him credit because the copy line, as you can see, I've attached blank for three important reasons. That's Halbert's, but the technique Pre- Reader's Digest, biggest user. They mailed 10 million letters with pennies glued to them. Done at any time when you needed rooms full of child labor gluing pennies to letters. Dollar bills, fake million dollar bills, hundred dollars. I've mailed letters with real hundred dollar bills. Uh, this is pretty representative of what a bunch of them have looked like Over decades. Typewriter looking type. This is called a courier font for those of you into fonts. No letterhead. Oh my God, where's the logo? Who it's from. The day. The time. Salutation. As you can see, I have attached a real live U.S. penny to the top of this letter. Why have I done this? Actually, there are two important reasons. Halbert was lazy this week. Um, and then there's two reasons. All right? So that one of the terms used for this often is grabber. It's called a grabber. And it is called a grabber because its job is to grab attention. All right? You will also hear lumpy. So lumpy grabbers are sometimes better than non-lumpy grabbers because, huh, wonder what's in this envelope. I'll open it. As you can see, I've attached a bag of anthrax. I've done this <laughs> I've done this for three important reasons. However, it's not necessary for you to read any of them uh, to have the full impact of this activity. Um, this is why mostly attaching little bags of coffee and little bags of tide detergent and that has sort of stopped. Uh, We used to do that a lot, but you wind up with postal inspectors and stuff. Um, This is one I did for Rory Fat. It was one of our most successful, and it was cheap. I liked it. I thought I had a color version, so the envelope, um, by the way, real stamps, um, return address, protective oven mitt enclosed. because the stuff is too hot to handle. And at the time, Paris Hilton, you may remember her, kind of in the evolution of Kardashian, there was a Paris Hilton, not the hotel, the chick. And uh, her saying was, it's hot. And everybody knew it at the time. And we sent an oven mitt in the envelope, which is lumpy in a letter then, as you can see, I've enclosed it, I'll admit I've done this for three important reasons. Same campaign, do I have it? white, right? yeah. So same campaign, uh, we sent uh, rubber gloves, um, extremely powerful, dangerous, magic enclosed. This was the year we did a magic theme, uh, the protective gloves, you don't want the stuff to come in contact with bare skin or timid minds. And so the sales letter is inside the envelope, inside the plastic bag, with the rubber gloves to put on before you open up the sales letter. If you want to beat the control, if you want to beat a control, by the way, and they haven't done this, you can almost always beat the control simply by adding an attachment and/or a lumpy attachment. You will almost always bump response more than the cost of the thing, particularly if you're clever about it. Uh, cost you. We actually only enclosed one rubber glove, so every pair we bought, which we just went and bought them at Costco, but every pair gave us two envelopes. If you do playing cards, one deck gives you 52. Uh, so if you, if you need to be cheap, you can find ways to do this on the cheap. If you want help, I'm sure 3D mail results are here, and, uh, and uh, Travis Lees is smart about this and about sourcing it as anybody on the planet. If you want to use money, obviously, all you got to do is go to the bank. Um, although I warn you now, if you take out more than $3,000, like three times in a row, you may be playing cards with Dennis Hastert for the rest of your life. Um, uh, so you got to think about that. We used to think nothing about it, by the way, of going down and getting $30,000 in singles to staple to, to sales letters. Uh, I assure you, today, you'd be getting a call from the Treasury Department. What in the hell are you doing with 30000 you know? And the bank would look at you, and. Um, So if I take even money out just to go gamble, they've stopped, but for a while at my bank they would go, uh, uh, the first time she did it, well what are you doing with all this cash? I said, well, I'm starting at the whorehouse, and if I got anybody left, I'm going to the casino, and then if I win, I'm going back to the whorehouse. Anything else you want to know? That pretty much put an end to the... There's a way to shut people up, you know. When I used to fly commercial, what do you do? I'm an IRS agent. Quiet, three hours of blissful silence on the plane. Guys would leave first class and go sit in coach. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. Sales guy comes to your door, which doesn't happen anymore. Can I come in? Absolutely, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. Come on in. Let's have a conversation. Sales guy runs. right. So you can shut people up, you just have to be a little imaginative. Next school of advertising, new free book reveals. Well gee, you guys know this one. How many of you in here have responded to a free book offer? Look around, you'll learn more looking at them than you will looking at me. How many have responded to more than one free book offer in the past calendar year? Look around, you'll learn more looking at them than you will looking at me. How many have bought something at the end game of having requested a free book? Right. Free books are like free drinks used to be in Vegas. It's free, but then it costs you $55,000. Uh, before the whole thing is over with. So free book reveals, and book matters. Other free things work, by the way, but free book, hard to consistently beat it. Free book reveals, how old is this? Well, this is from 1917. 1917. This is a direct response ad for a health book. Very interesting. You hardly ever saw it, and you almost never see it now. I have done it on a few occasions, is the coupons up in the right-hand corner instead of at the bottom. Clever guy. So this is the free book for the Swoboda System of Conscious Evolution. and uh, it's physical, and mental, and psychic, and these are testimonials, and tear out the coupon above, and mail now, and um, this is from 1917. The Swoboda Method was one of the most successful self-improvement slash alternative health courses sold for almost 20 years. It is generally believed that Dale Carnegie modeled Swoboda when he decided to sell a course. So new free book revealed isn't anything new. It almost never wears out. So this is, eh, Dr. Wolf might have. This is from 1984. This is mine in chiropractic. This is a free book offer. The book is 99 Practice Building Secrets. The inside of that mailer looks like this. Chiropractors spit in the eye of the recession. Hey, we're going to be able to run this next year. Chiro, chiro, <laughs> chiropractors spit in the eye. It's just like ties, man. They all come back again and again and again. You should mention never throw out a necktie because. Thin, thick, wide, ugly, round grand ugly ties. They all come around every once in a while. Chiropractors spit in the eye of the recession, achieve remarkable practice growth, blah, blah, blah. Getting new patients made easy. Uh, here's how you got your free book then. This is just kind of interesting. You called a 900 number. Anybody remember 900 numbers? That's how I averaged five bucks for every free book. Because they got charged to make the call. And by the time they answered all the voice prompts and then did the optional survey, they had spent 10 bucks on the call, 50-50 split with the phone company, self-liquidating ad. Cute, huh? That is 1984. By the way, it's kind of got a lot of copy in it, just for the record. Um, Very successful. Uh, Now, yeah, I do look, Somebody, some wise ass just say I look better there too. Um, Yeah, I did. This is 2011. So this is our member, Paul Feldman's trade journal for the insurance and financial advisor industry. Free book ad, offering this book. Matt Segula, Dan Kennedy, everything you were taught about trust is wrong. How to get your free book. Below are a few of the topics covered in this crucial 170 page book. Here's how to get your free book. Uh, This campaign, uh, in 36 months, created eh, $8 million, $9 million in coaching revenue. Um, Hard to beat. Free book. Next fun school is characters. Typing is not easy when you have to jump from key to key. Cordially yours, S-Mouse. The original S-Mouse letters are legendary. If you've never seen him, again, probably if you Google S Mouse, you will be led down the mouse hole. Uh, But if not, it's in greatest sales letters of all time um, uh, by Richard Hodson, which is a good reference to have anyway. And a lot of character letters, uh, mostly mine, are in my lifetime of work archives collection. Here's one of my versions. This is from that collection. Uh, Page 629 for those keeping score. A letter from Sidney Mouse, Esquire. I'll just do, hi, my name is Sidney Mouse and I live in the Kennedy's office. I'm sorry there are no capital letters in in, in, in my letter but my little paws can't reach the darn shift key on the keyboard and punch the letters at the same time. Anyway, I'm on the loose tonight, figured out how to get this computer and printer turned on and sneaking a letter into the newsletter envelopes before they go into mail. So why would a mouse go to all this trouble and send you a letter? And the whole thing is in the voice of the mouse. If, by the way, you have a kid, you have a dog, you have a cat, you have a horse, you have some combination thereof, and you wanna make them tax deductible, Consult your CPA and use your own conscience. but here's Annette's for Happy Trails. Hi, I'm Miranda, I'm the one here on the right, and I'm Carrie, the one below on the left, and we'd like to talk to you about something. And the entire long letter is in the voice of the, here's the pig, too, he chimes in, and uh, here's the goat my name's david and my leg had to be amputated that's a big word for taken off after i was hurt really badly by a fighting dog the nice people at happy trails helped me get better but i know it cost them a lot of money to help us rescued animals yada 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 as pigs say hi i'm vernon i would like to personally ask you to make a general a, a generous donation today to Happy Trails, I survived being stabbed a bunch of times with a knife, and this guy beat me pretty badly with that metal pipe thing. And he goes on. And here we have a big ass goat, and here we have a wild turkey, all contributing to the latter. If you happen to have a goat, and you want to make him tax deductible, so here's and by the way, they should earn their keep. Ever, ever since I found out that there's this big market in high-priced coffee made from cat poop, I look at my dog differently. <laughs> say, what are we spending on this mutt? Can't it, do, can't it poop coffee? Maybe we should have a cat, you know? This is one of my favorites. I did this for Rory Fat at Restaurant Marketing Systems. Uh, this is from uh, Viva, the cleaning lady. Um, oops, hello, I am Viva. I cleans the office at Restaurant Marketing and I am in so much trouble. They ask that I write to say I am sorry. I clean office on weekend making it all nice for them and I bumped fax machine with my mop handle and it fell on the floor. I put back on desk. The plug came out of the wall, I plugged it back in, but it makes noises and lights flash, and I didn't know what to do. The bigger problem is a paper stuck in the machine, it wouldn't come out, so no more faxes couldn't come. I called the ladies right away this morning, they are upset, but, but they fix machine. smart ladies. They tell me the deadline for the boot camp teleseminar special was on the weekend. They say that Rory gave so many big bonuses that many faxes would come on weekend if I had not bumped machine. If you send fax over the weekend, it will have not come. I try to make better, so I send this. Please call them to come for boot camp. Here's the number. I am so sorry for fax trouble. Please call the ladies or use the form I send you. Bye-bye from Viva. And the picture is little Viva here with her bucket and her mop. This was sent as a fax. Brought in an additional 80 registrations at an average of $2,000 a piece cost nothing. We didn't even have to pay Viva, we made her up. (laughs) Another school of advertising, the tabloid story school of advertising. No decent direct response person moves through life without reading the tabloids. There used to be a lot more direct response advertising, but nonetheless. The National Enquirer, the New York Post, if you live in New York, is close. Um, there's a thing called the World, which is a really sleazy version of the National Enquirer. Um, we, how many of you were at the Info Summit when Ian Calder spoke from the National Enquirer? You learn more looking around than you do looking at me, but so we had him because that business, but really all businesses are about attention-getting and interest-captivating stories. The Inquirer has sort of gone legit a little. You know, they break real news stories now, like TMZ, while the real news media kind of does nothing. Um, uh, uh, but, But still. And the world and the Gazette, they still have more of the three-headed Martians have landed and they've impregnated Angelina Jolie and they have more of that stuff. But tabloid stories. So the National Enquirer is still the largest circulation print publication in America. More people read the National Enquirer than any other print publication and most newspapers now added together. The evening news, cable plus network on television, on average Fewer than 4 million people are paying attention to all of it, all of it added together. More people read the National Enquirer the first day the issue comes out than watch the news, which tells you a lot. If, Kardashian, if a Kardashian was running, Trump wouldn't stand a chance. Um, so... The tabloid story style has been used in direct response a lot. The objection to it is it's tabloid style. So the advertiser himself is embarrassed by it. Oh my God, we don't want to do this. What will my friends at the country club or my peers at the at the lawyers association meeting have to say about this um, or his employees gang up on him because they're embarrassed or there's the general idea that it is just unprofessional. So you really have to decide as I said where, where you put the line and everybody ought to have a line of what they won't do for money Uh, But it helps if your line is quite a way out. And what characterizes true direct response people is we care more about results than we care about anything else. Hence, pink suit, white shirt, pink tie, pink patent leather shoes. I really don't want to be seen in it, but 40% bump in results get wife taken to the cleaners take it to a dry cleaners we don't use for anything else. Um, so tabloid story, if you need something to fall back on, go get a few weeks of the National Enquirer. Not new, by the way. So this is from geez, 1927. This is kind of funny uh, now, but this is from 1927. For a mundane product. The headline is, you always want to leave. The story is about husband and wife at parties and she always wants to leave early. And how disappointing it is and how she leaves him behind vulnerable to God knows what temptation. And it is of course all her fault because of her hygiene and energy if she only had Lysol disinfectant. You now probably, if you use Lysol, you use it to spray the toilet seat, right? And the kitchen counter. Little do you know. A familiar pathetic figure, the wife who always gets tired and leaves the party before anyone else, so often it is her own fault. No woman who has a normal foundation of good health can be forgiven for failing to Stay young with her husband. There's an implicit threat in that. You do understand, don't you? Science offers a simple protection for her health and youthfulness, sane habits for living, the proper practice of feminine hygiene. Be sure you get the facts about feminine hygiene. Send for the free booklet below. It contains the facts and simple instructions you must have. It was written for women by a woman physician. Don't experiment. Don't be misled by false theories. Make no mistake, only a poison can really kill germs. Buy a bottle of Lysol disinfectant today. Complete directions come with every bottle. I am not still, I'm still not sure I exactly know how this is being used. I'm not sure I want to. I bet you couldn't get Lysol to run a version of this ad today. <laughs> so, John Carlton's tabloid style, one of his most successful and most famous sales letters of all time. If you don't know John, you should. Please Google him. Amazing secret discovered by one-legged golfer adds 50 yards to your drive. By the way, here's what most golf, see, they would, it would be our new club. Here's a club, and it adds 50 yards to your drives. And it's made of titanium, and it's, that's how most people would advertise this. Amazing secret discovered by one-legged golfer adds 50 yards to your drives, eliminates hooks and slices, and can slash up to 10 strokes from your game almost overnight. The key here is the one-legged golfer. That's the key. This is tabloid style. This is also John's. Most of us have done some version of this uh, over the years. Mysterious Arizona human computer humiliates Wall Street experts for 21st consecutive year. By the way, can you use any one of these today? Yes. These are ageless. Ageless. Here are mine for psychocybernetics. True, the, true stories of lives. Let's see if somebody can find the inspiration. True stories of lives changed using psychocybernetics. And we have the case of the least likely to succeed stockbroker. By the way, long story. We have the case of the professor's F. We have the case of the alcoholic's daughter. Anybody see where this is coming from? got to be a certain age. Perry Mason, you can Google him. Hundred and twenty-two books in that series, each one titled The Case of Something. Dramatic Testimonials. Important. Draw Matt Dick. We could go right back to these if you want. One-legged golfer. Alcoholic's daughter. Here. The case of the Professor's F, I was flunking out of college and contemplating suicide. See, I don't want them just flunking out. I want them on a bridge. When I write copy for clients, I usually make up the testimonials and then tell them to go find a real one that's as close as you can get. Here's what I want. I was flunking out of college and contemplating suicide. Uh, let's see, he was struggling just to stay in college, believed he lacked the intelligence necessary to make it to graduation, let alone to go further in life. He was also, see, you want him really screwed up if, you're gonna, if your thing fixed him. He was also painfully shy, uh, total absence of self-confidence, and contemplating killing himself. And we fixed him. So dramatic testimonials. You want drama. You don't just want... T.T. Green used to talk about most people's testimonials. Here they are. He was really, 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 really adequate. And I haven't asked for a refund. That's kind of... No, 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 no. You want high drama. So I did a bunch of work a few years ago for a company called Miracle Air in the... Um, in the hearing aid business. However, one of the first things I did when I started to do it is I looked for the old and the gold. So this is 1920, hearing aid business. Nobody advertised invisible ones in 1920. You can see the big thing sticking out of his ear and the cord running down, all right? but I hear you perfectly now, Uh, 1900 even. For those of you that went to public school, that was 116 years ago. Um, If you went through Common Core, it was approximately 116 years ago. Um, (laughs) Here's the ad. Anything close is okay, you still get an A. Um, Gentlemen, I have been deaf for 40 years. During my service in the Civil War, my ears became seriously affected from gun firing and have been growing steadily worse ever since. I had lost faith in everything that claimed to make me hear. Now, I'm skipping copy, by the way. I'm jumping. Acousticon makes me hear just as clearly and at the same distance that I heard before I was afflicted at all. Gratefully, General Thomas Harrington. circa five years ago. A message about courage and fear. I want to give you this gift to you before it's too late. Ken Dahlberg, World War II fighter pilot and prisoner of war. Gee, not a lot of imagination on my part. By the way, the company never, he's the founder of the company. They never used him. Never told me about him. I had to dig this out. The guy that invented the damn thing, Miracle Air, escaped under barbed wire during World War II. For those of you that have a reference, he's like Audie Murphy. For those of you that don't have that reference, he's a real-life living John Wayne. For those of you that don't have that reference, he's Rambo. I mean, so, and now I'm... If you're 60 to 75 years ago, a message from a World War II fighter pilot and POW for you about courage, and fear. Hello, my name is Ken Dahlberg. In World War II, I served in the Army Air Corps as a fighter pilot. On August 16, 1944, I and just seven other P-51 Mustang pilots fought 80 German planes near Droz, France. I shot down four before I was shot down. A French family hid me, and I made an escape on a bicycle. Say it's better, I escaped. No, 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 he escaped on a damn bicycle, better. I made an escape on a bicycle right past enemy forces to rejoin my my squadron. I was shot down a second time on December 26, 1944, during the Battle of the Bulge and on February 14, 1945, I was shot down for—this is not a guy you want to travel with. I was shot down. (laughs) I was shot down for a third time, and last time I was wounded on landing, couldn't escape, and ended up a POW in Luff Stalag No. 7 until the end of the war. In total, I flew 103 missions, and I'm a triple ace, having shot down 15 enemy aircraft. I received a Distinguished Service Cross, Silver Star, Bronze Star, Purple Heart, and other awards. I'm proud of this, of course, and very patriotic, but I consider what I did after the war of much greater importance and maybe more important to you now. In 1955, I and a very committed team of scientists invented uh, the first Miracle-Ear hearing aid, skipping why am I writing about this to you and asking you to pay attention. A lot of people fear being embarrassed by wearing hearing aids or fear being taken advantage of by salespeople. So they go through years of their lives unnecessarily suffering. The even greater secret embarrassments of feeling left out, worrying they may be losing it mentally or having others think so, stopping going to movies or bingos or church or Friday night poker games because it's too hard to hear, not enjoying family life, and so on. And this goes on to make the case that getting help and wearing a hearing aid is a giant act of manly courage. And not doing it is embarrassing. By the way, there's nothing in there about it being made in titanium, out of titanium and the parts vibrate at 3,622 milliseconds. I don't give a shit about that. Nor does anybody else. But all of the reasons John Oldfart won't go get a hearing aid Are addressed by my John Wayne. Happens to be the founder of the company, but if he wasn't and he was just a user, a testimonial, he's a pretty dramatic testimonial. I have to hurry. I think I started five late, so I probably have. Is the two legit or do I have seven? If it's seven, yell yes. I got two. All right. What do I want to leap to? Oh, let's do, real quick, outrageous advertising. So we can give some credit to Halbert. A Couple of famous ones. Tova Borgnine, for those of you who don't know, she's an actress, she still sells on QVC, this very day. Um, She was Ernie Borgnine, if you don't know Ernie Borgnine, screw it, Google him. Um, Tova Borgnine swears under oath her new perfume does not contain an illegal aphrodisiac or sexual stimulant. What's the message? This shit contains an aphrodisiac and a sexual stimulant. That's the message. The best guarantee line maybe ever written in the skincare business, I envy it greatly. I never stole it, would like to have, couldn't come close. This was for Nancy Kwan, Uh, if you're friends. Don't actually accuse you of having had a facelift. Send back the empty jar, and we will refund every penny you paid. Understand, all that is is a satisfaction guarantee. It's the same as saying, if you're not happy, send back the empty jar, we'll give you your money. But how much more powerful is this? Skip MTV, and I'll tell you MTV. Everybody knows MTV, right? Right? It's not what it once was, of course. Your MTV was really music TV. It was failing badly for the first year. Cable operators didn't want it. Advertisers didn't want it. Record companies didn't want to make music videos and spend all that money. This thing was nearly dead on arrival when an ad guy named George Lois, another good guy to uh, Google and take a look at, got. Mick Jagger to become the logo, and the spokesperson, and he did a TV commercial with Mick Jagger picking up the phone and calling cable TV operators and yelling, I want my MTV. And the TV commercial then said, call your cable operator and tell them you want your MTV. And hundreds of thousands of people called their cable operators and screamed in their best Mick Jagger voice, I want my MTV. And MTV is on the air because of that particular ad campaign. Another great uh, uh, George Lois campaign was Joe Namath as an Olivetti girl. Olivetti is a typewriter, for those of you who don't know. Joe Namath was a star quarterback for the New York Jets. He also did a pantyhose ad. More people are familiar with that. And that was a uh, two-page spread in Cosmopolitan with Joe Namath laying on top of a table wearing pantyhose. I forget the brand. George Lois did that campaign as well. Um, so this is, if you don't believe it, that Olivetti's the best type of watch, Joe type in that Olivetti commercial on TV. They type print to their TV. And everybody talked about Joe Namath wearing pantyhose. We have a GKIC member who ought to dare. Uh, he's uh, Tom Hubiar, not with us now, but um, I dared him. He, sell, he sold really boring industrial crap to industrial buyers in an industrial environment, did a trade show every year. I forget what the stuff was. Some kind of equipment that, I don't know, doesn't matter. I said, You gotta find a way to do something sexy, exciting, outrageous. So he had to fight. The Trade Journal company didn't wanna run the ad, but here's his ad. In this industry, successful sex lives depend on successful project equipment choices. (laughs) The ad is near, it nearly says you go home you got all this stress and angst and worry about your equipment breaking down, so your equipment doesn't work. <laughs> Best year he ever had working a trade show. We'll stop there. I'm out of time. you got things to do. You've been listening to one of our gold members-only podcasts. Make sure you upgrade and become a Diamond member and get access to the Diamond members-only podcast as well. On top of that, you'll also get access to the whole enchilada with all dance courses and so much more. So make sure you upgrade to Diamond now by going to diamondupgrade.com.